Uh, folks, given the uh, recent tragedy that happened in Texas yesterday, uh, I am filming this here today on Wednesday, May 25th. Um, I always find that horror allows me to process grief and tragedy uh, better than a lot of other things out there because you can focus on fake horrible things that happen in very, very exuberant and insane horror films compared to what happens in real life. So, um, sending, uh, sending love out to everybody in Texas that uh, is dealing with this and trying to avoid thoughts and prayers because thoughts and prayers don't do jack shit. So um, we're going to talk some horror today and hopefully this will serve as a good distraction to things that are going on in the world. So welcome to a new episode of T-Watch is a Scary Movie. Hello, 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 and welcome to a brand new episode of T Watches a Scary Movie. I, of course, am T, and we're talking scary movies. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode. Remember, new episodes go up every Wednesday night, 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on the YouTube page if you're looking for video so you can see my handsome face here. That's youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. Again, youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. And if you're not watching, if you're just tuning in, listening to the audio, then we are available on a lot of your favorite podcasting platforms. We're up on Podbean. We're up on Amazon Music. We're up on uh, Spotify. We're in a lot of places. So you just search for T-Watch a Scary Movie in your favorite podcasting platforms. You can find us and tune in. That actually goes up half an hour earlier than the video version. It goes up at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time every Wednesday night as well. So you can check us out the audio version a little bit early if you like to. And of course, don't forget, we're always doing movie nights on Wednesdays. Uh, so usually we start a little bit before the new episode comes up on YouTube and then we continue after the new episode is done. And we're typically gonna be watching the movies that I'm reviewing on the show. So tonight, for example, we have The Hitcher and The House on Sorority Row in the watch party. So if you never joined before, Now's the time to tune in and catch it with us. Even if you're only watching a little bit of the show, folks, I get it. Right now, we all need some relief, uh, especially with everything in the last two and a half years now. We just need a bit of a break. And so you can always come and tune in every Wednesday night and have some fun watching horror movies with us. Like I said, tonight we have The Hitcher and House on Sorority Row. Next week we have uh, You Won't Be Alone and You Are Not My Mother, which I'm so excited to talk about and have y'all watch those with us as well too. And then uh, two weeks from then we have our best of show. Yeah, it is time for the best of 2022 so far. Now, I might be missing one in there. I might be. I might have my timing off, but I know it's coming up. And that actually is bringing us to our 100th episode. Folks, we are almost there with the 100th episode. I don't know how I've gotten this far doing this many episodes. And for the few of y'all that have been listening, thank you so, so much for tuning in and watching over the years. That has truly been a uh, one of the biggest pleasures. I started this not really to do anything big with it. Um, 
when I was growing up, I was doing all my video production classes like in middle school and high school. And that's definitely where I wanted to go. I wanted to be a writer. And when the pandemic started and we got into a lockdown, I had to find a way to channel something because uh, I felt like shit, honestly, uh, in that first year of lockdowns. Like I, I didn't do too well with that. And so I started this show uh, September of 2020, I want to say it was. And we're coming up here uh, May of 2022. We're almost two years from when I started this. And we're just about at 100 episodes. And I really do appreciate y'all that have been along uh, along with me for the ride. Um, I don't know if I've worked out my niche yet here, uh, almost 100 episodes in. But I do hope I've given uh, all of you who have taken the time to tune in to one episode or multiple episodes something to really enjoy on this, a different perspective than a lot of other ones. I'm still working towards the goal of hopefully getting to, you know, Fangoria or a Bloody Disgusting or a Shudder or anything like that. Now, that's still long in the works. That is the ultimate goal, folks. I don't give a damn about making money here. Uh, I don't give a damn about getting famous. I just, uh, I, I really respect publications and sites like that that have played a big role in my life growing up. And it would be a lifelong dream to do something for them at some point in my life. But who knows? If it never happens, it never happens. I can be happy doing this because I've met some phenomenal people online since I've started this up and got in uh, interactions with a lot of you that I don't think I ever would have gotten anywhere else. So I do treasure that. And I'm looking forward to more movies, TV shows, games, books, everything to talk to y'all about. And there's a lot. Um, I'm still doing my 365 days of horror um, I just haven't been posting posting a lot about that because I've been so crazy busy with work. But with that said, though, uh, everything has been going so great with that. I've been doing a lot of first-time watches of things that I have not been getting around to that I've been putting off for so long, and it's been so fucking awesome. Uh, recently, I got a chance to watch, like, The Prowler, which has been a uh, – it's an old slasher that everybody has been talking about for a long time at this point, and it's the one I've just avoided, and I finally saw it, and it was fucking awesome. Uh, I've seen quite a lot of Shudder horror films which man shutter y'all are really pumping this out now too like i feel that 50 percent of the new horror i've seen this year has been from shutter so if you don't have a shutter subscription you need to get on that shit uh because i am gonna put a list together at some point this year that's gonna show you uh it's gonna have a ranking of the shutter horror films that i've seen because there have been so many including the sadness which i've talked about which is one of the most insane zombie movies that I've watched ever, not recently, ever. That opening kill with the fryer just lets you know what you were in store for for the next 90 minutes, and it was insanity. And there's been so many good ones on Shutter that I picked up. Um, so I'm excited to keep that going and uh, get to 365 new horror films because I, I think I said it back when I started this challenge up over a month ago. I said that I really wanted to try to do all new movies for this because I can easily go back and watch all my old favorites and I'm already doing that this year. You know we do a new week, we do an old week and in the old week I'm typically doing stuff that, uh, well not even typically, I'm doing stuff that hasn't come out this year. It's stuff that's been released 2021 or earlier um, things that you might have might have seen, things that you might not have seen. But I'm getting to see a lot of old stuff in there, but I want to take this time to force myself to watch a lot of new horror, and I have, and it's been so fucking awesome. And it also makes me sad because I know some of these movies I'm not going to get a chance to talk to you all about until next year with proper reviews. And we're in May. 
We're only in May right now. Like, June is the halfway point. And I know for a fact there are movies that I've watched I can't talk to y'all about until next year because I'm so backed up right now. But that excites me that there's just so much new horror out there for us to watch and enjoy. I really feel that we're now once again in a boom period for horror and we really have to sit out and enjoy that. But I say all that to talk to you tonight. We are talking about The Hitcher and The House on Sorority Row. Now I was scheduled to talk about Evil Dead the game as well too. But y'all, again, my schedule has just been so hectic right now that I haven't had the time to really put a lot of work into that game. Uh, and I'm going to. I, that is going to take up my entire summer, playing Evil Dead the game, at least till the quarry comes out. And the quarry is going to take a lot of time away as well, too. But my goal is here in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to get more chances to get that set up, and then we'll go from there. So tonight, we're not talking Evil Dead the game. We're just going to be talking The Hitcher and The House on Sorority Row. Now, you might be wondering, what? brought the idea up of going to these old school horror films we got a classic slasher and then a classic thriller rutger hauer and a c thomas howell from the outsiders why did i choose to go this route well last year when i was doing the summer of horror i went over a, a number of original films and remakes not even on purpose like i looked at the texas chainsaw massacre series and then looked at uh the the new one the the jessica beale one and then the prequel to that as well and last summer, I remember thinking, man, like there's a lot of slashers that came out in the 2000s that were just remakes of old 70s and 80s ones. Like we had House on Sorority Row, we had The Hitcher, we had, um, uh, uh, what the hell is it called? Uh, the Town that Dreaded Sundown. Um, we had, uh, 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 not Prom Night. Uh, oh no, it was Prom Night, it was Prom Night. Like there's a bunch of slashers from the 70s and the 80s that got remade in the early 2000s that I either skipped or I haven't watched in a long time, and I thought this was the perfect opportunity to revisit a lot of these films, uh, both the remakes and the originals, to see kind of where they stack up on. And The Hitcher is one that I haven't watched in quite a while, just because I remember seeing the remake first. And I really did enjoy the remake. I still enjoy the remake to the, uh, this day. I don't give a shit that a lot of people hate it there. I saw it and thought it was a very much serviceable summer popcorn horror flick i didn't need anything deep out of it i knew of the original but i didn't see it till afterwards and then i remember seeing it and not being too impressed by it and that's kind of where it sat at for the longest time so getting to revisit it recently brought out a lot of new feelings about it and getting to see the house on sorority row definitely was a first time new watch for me so that was an experience as well so we're gonna get right into it we're gonna start with the hitcher now, this is a 1986 film, which, as I mentioned before, starred uh, C. Thomas Howell as Jim Housie, a young man who's delivering a car from Chicago to San Diego, and Rutger Hauer as the, uh, as the title character, The Hitcher. And what happens here is that Jim Halsey, while he's transporting this car from Chicago to San Diego, sees a man that's uh, hitchhiking on the side of the road. He's caught in this horrible storm that's going on. And uh, Jim decides he's going to pick this guy up who calls himself John Ryder and take him to where he needs to go. But over the course of this first ride, um, Jim is starting to feel that there's something wrong with Ryder. He's not answering his questions. He's not being forthcoming with a lot of information. And then eventually... He pulls out a switchblade and begins to threaten Jim uh, and tells him basically that he needs him to stop him. And if he doesn't stop him, he's going to kill him instead. 
And this begins Jim's perilous journey of trying to get away from John Ryder, who continues to torment him over the course of an hour and a half in this film. Now, this was a thriller, a little bit different uh, from like your slashers you had at the time, like your Nightmare on Elm Street, your Halloweens, your Friday the 13th, because we weren't getting a lot of killers who were being very vocal with what they were doing. You know, when you think about all of our slashers from back in the day, most of them, with the exception of Freddy, weren't really tormenting their victims. So it was just they track them down, they might torture them a bit, but they're ultimately going to kill them, and that was the end of it. And that's really what sets apart John Ryder from a lot of these other characters. And the fact that uh, Ryder here is 100% out to just cause pain to his victims. And not necessarily physical pain, because he knows that's going to come. But he's out there to uh, Im impact some kind of psychological trauma to his victims. And over the course of this film, what we really get to see and what we really notice is that... Um, Ryder is taking pleasure and basically setting Jim up for everything that he's done. So obviously he's hunting Jim, but we see throughout the film that he has various other victims, whether they're other families, whether they're cops who have been trying to help Jim out, uh, or whether it's just innocent bystanders who come into contact with Jim. Ryder uh, systematically takes all of them out, anybody that's interacted with Halsey over the course of the film. And one thing that didn't become clear to me until even this most uh, this most recent watch is that he's waiting until he gets a glimmer of hope every time to actually do anything to Jim. And that was interesting to me because in most horror films, the idea is that, you know, the killer is relentlessly following their victims at every point. Um, they're just trying to get them no matter what. And yeah, there are some films where they, they're fucking around with their victims, you know? Scream instantly comes to mind that the whole goal there isn't just to immediately kill the victims of Ghostface in any of these movies. The whole idea is that Ghostface is going to torment these people because they're all psychotic. So they all really want to get that endorphin rush from tormenting their victims. And Ryder, interestingly enough, he's not just there to consistently torment Jim. Like, he wants to be stopped but at the same time, he it, it's like he knows that the only way to push Jim is to get him when he's at, like despairing the most. Like you have to make, you have to take everything away from him and that will force Jim Halsey to become the man that Ryder wants him to be. Um, and it's, it, it's interesting the transformation that we have to see from Jim because, you know, earlier on in the film, he's this very much just this young guy who's, upbeat and you know you could tell that he's a very trusting person you know the first thing he says the writer as he stops and pick him up is that my mom always said i sh uh, always told me to never do this and that is the crux of the film is that you know his mom like a lot of pa parents out there tell their kids don't pick up hitchhikers you never know what's going to happen and by halsey you know trying to be this good guy who picks up this dude who's stranded in the storm everything goes wrong from there everything goes wrong and his life is changed for the worse and it never goes back to normal and it's it, it, it was it, it was tough watching this um another time this is only honestly the the like the third or fourth time that i've seen this film um since like the early 2000s because i watched it after watching the remake and i'm not going to talk a lot about the remake right now because that's coming later on this summer we'll talk about that then um but watching uh watching the original film the first time 
I didn't get out of it what I got this time. Like to me, it just kind of seemed a little boring, a little muted compared to the remake. But watching it now, I definitely picked up on it a little bit more that the idea here again and what makes Ryder so dangerous is that he's only coming after Jim when Jim gets an ounce of hope to escape the situation. You know, what happens when Jim meets Nash, played by uh, Jennifer Jason Lee in that diner? You know, Nash takes kindness on Jim and tries to help him out. And then that's when Ryder starts to target Nash in addition to Jim. Uh, what happens when Jim finally gets arrested and he explains to the cops what's going on? And we find out the cops believe Jim at that point. Ryder shows up again to stop those cops from helping Jim out. Jim escapes and the same thing keeps on happening is that Ryder doesn't even try to actually kill Jim in most of these scenarios and in most of these situations. He's very much trying to bring Halsey to the breaking point to where he doesn't have a choice except to do what uh, Ryder wants him to do. And that definitely makes makes him a scary character. And Rucker Hauer, who, you know, we all know from Blade Runner, um, I I personally, like, and I get it, like, folks aren't going to go with me on this one, but I personally always look back to uh, the Salem's Lot remake because I fucking love the Salem's Lot remake, and he played uh, Barlow in that, and I just thought he did amazing. But Rucker Hauer is obviously no one new to horror. This is his wheelhouse. This is something he's done the longest, longest time at this point. He does a great job as the title character here in the hitcher now um i will say that while there is a large body count to this film it's very interesting that it is more of a suspense thriller than horror um and again it's it's just weird because the like john Ryder kills a lot of people in this film he really really does but i'd be hesitant to say that the way that we see those people kill the way that these deaths happen because we don't see a lot of them on screen um, it's more so about telling the story of what you don't see than what you do. And even the remake did that as well too, that it's not necessarily so much about seeing the killings themselves. We know writers, this brutal man who's dangerous and who people should stay away from, but you know, you think it might be more effective to see him actually carrying, carrying these uh, murders out and we don't. And that's just an incredibly interesting point to bring into this film. Now, with that said, I will say that, I do like this franchise. You know, they did make a second film, uh, The Hitcher 2, I've Been Waiting, that stars Jake Busey, Carrie Wurr, and C. Thomas Howell returns as well, too. And I remember seeing that, and that's very much a direct-to-video sequel that doesn't, it, it pales in comparison to the original and even the remake, but it actually still has some really good points in there because one thing that's adamant throughout this entire film is that Ryder taking away any kind of help that Jim could get and any kind of hope that he can get also seems to set him up as the killer himself is basically saying that well it could have been jim halsey that did this and of course the cops eventually start believing him but that's a big plot point in the sequel and in the remake as well too is that Ryder is just so good about turning the tables on his victims and making them believe what he wants them to believe so just an interesting point to bring up um, I definitely recommend this movie. It's available on HBO Max right now. So if you have that service, you can watch it for free. Um, check it out. And if you get a chance to check the remake as well, too, we'll look at that again later this summer. Um, and you can see why I actually have an enjoyment of that film where I know a lot of people don't. Okay. All right. So next up, we have The House on Sorority Row. Yes, The House on Sorority Row, another 80s slasher flick. Now, 
a lot of you probably haven't actually seen this film, and I say that confidently because I know a lot of folks did see Sorority Row, which was the mid-2000s remake that was done, uh, that was written actually by uh, Josh Stolberg, who you might recognize that name as the writer of Spiral and Piranha 3D and a number of other really, really good 2000 horror films that have come out. And I knew about this film, never saw it, which is weird because I absolutely love slasher flicks, but I've always, always been a guy that's been about like slasher franchises. So Jason, Freddy, Michael, uh, Leatherface, those are easy for me to get into. They got all these films. Clearly it's an iconic character. And I've always struggled with like one-time slasher flicks because it's like, damn it, like I want a franchise. Give me a sequel or two and we can make that work for sure. So I didn't know what to think about coming into the house on Sorority Row. I also knew though that um, that the Sorority Row remake definitely had a lot of departures from the original film too, so that I wasn't going to be watching uh, watching the same story. And I'm, again, just like I did with The Hitcher, I'm not going to talk a lot about the remake. We're going to focus just on the original for now. And in the original film, it tells the story of a group of sorority sisters who decide to play a prank on their house mother. Basically, they decide that they're going to get her into, uh, into their pool that they have, and they're gonna fake her death. They're gonna act like they're shooting her and it's just a joke, but a prank goes unfortunately wrong and their house mother is apparently killed. And from there, these group of sorority girls begin to be stalked and hunted and killed off by somebody who may or may not be their very same house mother. Now, hearing that story, you might hear some parallels with other college, uh, college horror films about sorority girls, like Black Christmas, for example. Uh, Black Christmas, I've talked about before. We have three different versions of that. There was the original and two remakes. And I've mentioned how the original film was, it, it's not one of my favorites. I think it's actually kind of on the slow side. And I feel that they set up uh, they set up a lot of red herrings for no reason at all that doesn't really pan out anywhere. It's not even believable in a lot of these cases. And it's weird because the house on Sorority Row pretty much does everything right at that point. You know, they give us these victims, but they give us a reason to dislike these victims because it's obviously very, very clear that they're nice girls, but this prank was a little bit past what they should have done. So maybe they don't deserve to die, but they deserve something for sure here. And that's a good setup because we get to know the girls a little bit more. I feel in Black Christmas, and again, I'm gonna try to not compare it as much, but in Black Christmas, we didn't get to know all the girls that well, except for our main character character played by Olivia Diabo and um and uh I forget her name but the other the other uh girl played by Margot Kidder I feel we didn't get to know a lot of the girls that well whereas the house on sorority row it seems to very much be allowing us to greet these other characters uh greet these other characters normally at that point which I really really do enjoy um, the deaths themselves are quite brutal, which I really enjoyed as well too. Like I feel that horror films, especially slashers in the seventies and eighties, and I know it's easy to say they went 50, 50, but it really is the case to where half of them wouldn't show you what's happening or it wouldn't be that violent, that bloody like black Christmas to where we didn't see a lot of the deaths actually happening or they weren't that brutal. Whereas here in the house on sorority row, we're straight up seeing all the pain that these characters are being put to. And one thing that's very adamant about this film is that the killer is using um, the killer, whether it be the uh, the girl's house mother or not, is using their house mother's cane that she used to walk around. That's like the killer's main murder weapon. And I love the brutality of that, that the killer is trying to impact that pain that the house mother went through herself in the film back to these girls. So there's some very, very, uh, very 
purposeful purposeful deaths in this film for our characters for sure and it's a big cast which seems kind of weird for an old school horror film to have a cast this big where we have this many murders you know our group of girls is seven there are seven girls in this group here and there's even more folks that still are targeted during the course of this film as well too and i like that because we don't just go from death to death to death to death it's only 90 minutes long it's only an hour and a half and yet i still feel that every character got their own chance to shine we either got to like or to hate them um, there wasn't a lot of indifference about that and that makes for a really good horror slasher story that we can like our characters now that's not to say that we're necessarily heartbroken when they're killed that's one of the problems i feel with older horror films that we might not identify with the supporting cast so well but the flip of that though is that it's entirely enjoyable watching what happens to these characters throughout the entire time and having everything kind of centered at the sorority house itself help to not have to worry about all these uh, extra set pieces. You know, they're not going here, they're not going there. We don't have to worry about the killer's gonna pop out randomly here. Like it's just this one place. And that leaves it to where we know the killer can only be in so many places at the sorority house. And I think that was a really, really enjoyable aspect to it. Now, in terms of scares, I don't think there's that much in this way, uh, that much in this here. Like obviously at this point, a film from the early eighties doesn't really have a lot of jump scares in there to get to us. But I do feel that fans of gore, fans of brutality, they're gonna find a lot to enjoy in this film for sure because these deaths are not, uh, I say not for the faint of heart, they're not like super, super bad or anything, but you're gonna be surprised at the level of gore that we do get from a film like this. Definitely recommend checking it out. I just picked up the uh, special edition Blu-ray that I'm super excited to have and go check out all the extra special features on it because again, I really did like this film and I'm looking forward to looking up a lot of the extra information about it as well too but check it out y'all especially if you're a big fan of slashers like i am this is going to fall in line again with a lot of older ones that you might have uh, might not have checked out until recently um it's not as cheesy as something like a um a slumber party massacre and it's not as serious as something like a halloween but there's a nice middle ground here that the house on sorority row has definitely found out for itself and i do recommend checking that out so make sure you're watching both of those films there, The Hitcher and The House on Sorority Row. They're both really, really good watches that I think you're definitely going to like. So you want to check both of those out. And then, of course, please make sure that you are coming back next week. Because like I said, next week we are talking You're Not My Mother and You Won't Be Alone. Uh, you Won't Be Alone, I'm going to give you a heads up right now is one of the only other films I've given a five to this year. I gave a five to Ty West's X. I also gave a five to You Won't uh, You Won't Be Alone. So this is definitely one I'm excited for y'all to check out. And You Are Not My Mother was quite excellent as well too. So folks, this is episode 98. We only got one more episode till 100. Please make sure that you are liking, you are sharing, you are subscribing. You see my social media over there. Check me out on Twitter. That's where I'm most active in my horror feed. But that's going to do it for me, folks. My name is T. We've been watching scary movies. Stay scared.